0: Is it cold outside? Should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything?
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first uh, Ask Alan podcast. And uh, joining me today, I'm, I'm honored to have uh, Jim Strickland, the mayor of Memphis, uh, joining us today. And um, we're going to ask him some questions, and he can ask me some questions if he wants, but nobody really wants to hear from me. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take it right to the mayor. Mayor, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on. Thank you for
0: having me. Uh, nice, to be the, nice to be the first guest.
1: It's going to class the whole place up. <laughs> That's that's my that's my uh, my goal is for everyone to say man, that uh, that Chrome podcast is classy. Did you see that guest he had on for the first one? Um, well, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before we before I hit record here. Uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, your early days in politics and and so forth. Tell tell us a little bit about uh, Jim Strickland, where you came from, and uh, uh, I think a lot of people from Memphis may know, but. Uh,
0: Some other folks may not know exactly uh, the the Jim Strickland origin story. What is that? Well, first of all, I'm not a native Memphian. You will see that in print every once in a while. People say I'm a native Memphian. I'm not. I was born uh, right near uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana, a little town named uh, called Mishawaka, and uh, moved to Detroit, then Cincinnati, kind of grew up in Louisville, and moved to Memphis when I was almost 12 years old, uh, a week before Elvis died um, and, uh, been here ever since. And the reason I think so many people think I'm a native Memphian is because I went to college and law school here. And, uh, so I've been around for a long time. My dad was in sales. So that's the reason we got transferred, uh, all over the place. And, um, I certainly consider myself a Memphian now. And, and, uh, uh and then I got involved in politics, uh, and I've told this story before, um, uh, but, um, um, I, um, had all, all, you know, kind of been interested in politics. And, uh, when I was the first presidential election, I remember was 1976, uh, which was Carter versus Ford. I remember president Nixon being in office. I do not remember his election in, I guess, 72. I don't remember that. So in 76, I was, um, 11 and, um, I remember getting a weekly reader in school and it had a cartoon drawing of president Carter and president Ford. And I, oh, this is interesting. And I took that next step as, as uh, like you, I'm a Roman Catholic and had ever wondered had, had there ever been a Catholic president. And the answer then is the same. Now there's been one and that's president Kennedy. So I really threw myself into learning about president Kennedy and my grandparents were, and, and their siblings were big fans of Kennedy and, Uh, read Profiles and Courage and watched uh, Missiles of October and really got into him and was inspired uh, by his call to service and which is kind of exemplified in his inauguration speech, um, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And so that just kind of spurred on an interest and in high school did youth legislature and uh, a model UN and then in college, um, got involved in student government, which is when I met you, and uh, in the mid '80s, and we did uh, a model legislature called TISL, Tennessee Intercollegiate State Legislature. We're involved in student government on campus, and I, uh, we, although we did it different years, we interned in the state legislature. And I think I'd, I think mine was '84. Were you were you '85? I was '85. Yeah. Okay, so I was '84. And so it just grew and grew and then started working on campaigns uh, and uh, just got more and more uh, active and interested. Well, I know that, um, at the, at the, of course, you and I didn't go to University
1: of Memphis, right? We went to Memphis State. That's right. And uh, you were president of the student body at Memphis State, right?
0: I got involved and I was I got appointed to the State uh, Student Senate. Uh, ran, I was thinking about this the other day. I ran for student senate. I was not in a fraternity. Uh, I think I was just a sophomore. Uh, and it taught me a lesson. I stood outside the business school, the Fogelman Business School, where there was a ballot location. And I shook hands of people going in. And I came in fifth, uh, you know, the top, I don't know, 12 or 17, one office, I guess. Uh, and I came in fifth. I'll I'll never forget that. And the only reason I would have come in that high is because I shook people's hand. I did live on campus, and I was somewhat involved, so that helped too. But it it taught me the lesson of really uh, retail politics. And then um, got elected to um, Speaker of the Senate, I guess my junior year. And the end of junior year, uh, one student body president. Um, I do have to admit, though, I think... Um, I think I ran unopposed. So. <laughs> that's that's the best way to run, Mayor. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously with a lot of things, you learn more from doing it than you really give in. And those are, those are great uh, learning areas for students to how to, you know, coalesce people and work together and different views and, uh, some leadership training and um, got to know uh, one of the vice presidents of the university that that you know very well, Don, uh, his Don Carson. He was the vice president of act, uh, student affairs, I think. I forgot the exact name of it.
1: Yeah, he had an incredible amount of, uh, uh, well, A, he had an incredible amount of, of students that he mentored over the years that became very successful, but a lot of uh, really important things at the university reported up through him.
0: Yes, and so he, he had a lot of authority, but he also had a one-on-one touch with many of us students. Uh, coincidentally, I had him my freshman year. He'd always taught one class a year, and it was political science, and just total chance. I, I got him uh, as, a, as a teacher, and he was a mentor to me, to you, and hundreds of other students. I know some students have named their children after him. Uh, many have gone on to elected office. Uh, like Trey Hargett and Kevin Vaughn and um, uh, Dr. Carson now lives in middle Tennessee because he's got grandchildren over there. Um, and, uh, but he was a big influence on, on me and, and encouraging me to be involved.
1: You know, that you and I have talked about this, but there, there are an incredible amount of people that were at Memphis State on either side of us, take two or three years, uh, and while we were there, that have really gone on to do, uh, to do a lot in this community and in the state of Tennessee. Um, and you you, can all, you need more than one hand to count the number of folks that have really done well.
0: I was telling somebody from Chattanooga that the other day because Mara Sullivan was a year or two uh, younger than us, but now she's the chief um, administrative officer of the city of Chattanooga. Uh, Jay Bailey is the chief administrative officer of the uh, county assessor right now. Trey Hargett was a few years younger than us. Uh, I didn't know Kevin Vaughn, but he must have been a year or two older than, uh, of course, than you and I and and then our friend David Kustoff, who's now uh congressman. And um, uh, I shouldn't have started naming people because I know I'm forgetting. Harold something. Collins. Who? Harold Collins. Harold Collins uh, was uh, actually Harold Collins and I, w- we didn't know each other, but in uh, – March of 85 we were both in Lexington Kentucky watching the final four and the reason we know that because when we served on the city council I, he said he was in the band and I was literally in the section next to the band uh, in the end zone and uh, uh, so yeah there were so many people went through as you would imagine it's a it's a largest you know university here and um, uh, it ought to have a, a big uh, reach in our community.
1: Really does, but I think that period of time, and it may be because of Don Carson um, and uh, Dean Hampton and, and a number of the the, uh, the faculty, they really uh, molded a lot of leaders. Uh, they went out of their way. I think that started with uh, Dr. Humphreys, Cecil Humphreys, who brought all of those guys in as administrators. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think it's an accident. Although I agree with you, there, there's a lot of people that 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 have gone in and out of those doors.
0: Right. And uh, which is one reason I, I, George Lapidus used to say on his radio show a lot that the two most important entities in Memphis are FedEx and the University of Memphis. And I totally agree with that, that um, obviously FedEx, I mean, people know that. And um, uh, University of Memphis graduates so many people and contributes to the Economic well being uh, of this of this city tremendously uh, when they graduate thousands of people um, every year. So, what I, one thing I've not only because I'm a proud alum, uh, but what I try to do in our, our administration is work with the university as much as we can because the be- better we build up the university, the better it builds up our city.
1: I think that's true. I, I, during the, uh, the 70s and 80s, when the city was chasing the NFL, my dad who, as you know, is a big Tiger fan. He used to say, you ought to put all that time, energy, and effort into uh, the Tiger football and basketball programs because the university isn't going anywhere, and it's got the name of the city on it. Yes. And I think
0: he's being born out, as, you know, as a prophet. And, and um, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed working with Dr. Rudd. I think he's a great leader for the university and has done incredible stuff out there. Uh, I got to know Shirley. Uh, rains a little bit, but I wasn't mayor at that time, so I didn't get to partner her. I was on the city council and she advanced the university. And Dr. Rudge just taken take uh, a whole nother level, uh, which I'm glad for. Glad. I, and again, I know I'm a proud graduate twice, like you, but it's also good for this, good for the city. We're, we are really blessed. I know I'm getting off track here, but uh, in this pandemic that we're going through right now, I've really worked a lot with the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, which I keep dating myself because I still call it UT Memphis, but um, some, you know, like Memphis State, it's no longer called that. And what an incredible asset we have there. And uh, we kind of take it for granted, uh, you know, and and again, Rhodes, CBU, Lemoyne-Owen, all do incredible things. And, and we are very blessed in Memphis to have, um, Quality higher education opportunities.
1: Just a couple more Memphis State questions, and and we'll move on, I guess. But uh, so now, it an undergraduate. Did you were you a political science major? Were you in business? What
0: what did you study? I was practical, um, and so I, I majored in uh, finance and uh, in, in the business school. In hindsight, had I known I was going to go to law school, and I didn't know that until probably my junior or senior year, I would have majored in history or political science and. Than something that I really like. Um, and I didn't dislike finance but um, I knew after my junior or senior year that I didn't want to do that the rest of my career. so um, not, I didn't know any lawyers uh, but I just said, hey I think that's the tack I want to go to and I remember talking to Dr. Carson and my parents and you know you can do so many things with a law degree you don't have to practice law although that's what I did and what you do. But you can do, it's a great education. so I said, I'm, I'm just gonna um, go that way. And then after after law school, I know you uh, You clerked for the Supreme Court of Tennessee? Yeah, uh, uh, for Justice uh, William Phones, And uh, it was his actually last year on the Supreme Court. I used to joke with people that he decided if I was the quality of the law students they were producing, that he was getting off the court. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because it's Uh, all about you,
0: Mr. Mayor. (laughs) Uh, Judge Fones uh, was a great man. And um, I learned so much from that year clerking for him. And uh, to me, he was smart and had so much common sense. And I really saw how he analyzed uh, cases and he let me kind of dig in, uh, but not get too far, Uh, you know, uh, and uh, really enjoyed that year. One thing I remember him saying to me, that um, uh, he said when I go to pr- into private practice, no matter where I go, the pace would be much different. The pace working for a judge is very relaxed, and you really can dig into cases. As you know, the uh, practice of law is 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 not relaxed. It is high energy, high speed, long hours, and uh, Judge Phones is very correct in that. So, and then after I. I clerked there for a year. I I started at uh, Glankler Brown, uh, one of the best firms in Memphis, and uh, uh, got to work, really learned a lot from uh, some of the best lawyers in this town, from Mr. Glankler uh, to Jim Range and John Houseel and and so many others.
1: And then uh, you and David Kustoff uh, uh, formed a partnership that Became uh, a a power broking uh, law firm, <laughs> <laughs> at least after it disbanded. Uh, <laughs> when, when you you both weren't you know mayor and congressman while being in the law firm, but you both ended up having tremendous political careers.
0: As, as somebody jokes now that the failed law firm of off and Shriken, because it's, <laughs> so it's no longer around. But um, you know you and I became friends in college. David was a year or two younger than us. And so we all became friends with David uh, throughout that. And uh, just like with you, I've maintained a friendship with David. David coincidentally introduced me to my wife on a blind date. He was friends with a friend of hers and became friends with Melanie. And um, so I owe David a lot. And I just remember one day he called and said, hey, um, my dad's thinking about trying to you know, slow down and, and maybe wind down his practice. And would you be interested in, in going in? in with me. And at the time, Melly and I didn't have children. And it's a sort of a leap of faith that you've done it. It's a leap of faith. And I, you know, I thought, you know, the worst I can do is, you know, fall flat on my face and and go to, I could either try to go back to Glankler or go to some other law firm, um, but did it. And it worked out really well. Uh, coincidentally, uh, Davis Sad Bernie never retired. I was about or, to say, or... it took him 30 years to wind down his law firm. <laughs> And and when I got to know, uh, Bernie, I, you know, he, uh, and you know, Bernie, he knew Bernie. He was, uh, uh, he loved working with David and he loved interacting with his clients. In hindsight, he never was going to retire until David won Congress. And then, and then he really wound it down. But, uh, uh, I learned a lot from Bernie, um, working hard, uh, putting in the hours and, and David was, uh, really a great friend. And we um, uh, we had a good law firm. And um, uh, it was small, but uh, we uh, had a good time and, and practiced some good law. And help, helped a lot of people. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite Bernie Kustoff stories, I, I think you told me, was um, Bernie was, was kind of uh, uh, famous for how early he would arrive at the office. And of course, David picked up on that. And And I think you told me once that you came in at 7.30 and Bernie greeted you by saying, good afternoon.
0: (laughs) In the, I don't know how many years David and I practiced together, 15 years or so, maybe not that long, I can't remember, but um, I only beat David to the office twice in that whole time. And that's, you know, occasionally, very rarely, I'll, I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning and couldn't go back to sleep. And I said, "Well, i will just go to work." And because David would get, still, I think, get, even in Congress, gets to the office at, you know, four thirty, five, five thirty, somewhere in that, that range, um, and uh, uh, which is why one reason he's been so
1: successful. Oh, he's a hardworking dude. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And uh, he's one of those people that I decided early on I, I wasn't going to try to keep up with him you know uh you would just i was just happy to know him and i would help him when i when i could and he would do anything for anybody for me or you or anybody else he's he's great that way um, but you know if you, if you try to keep up with him minute for minute you just you can't do it he just got to get that way
0: and that's why i think he, i'm convinced he'll become very successful in in congress uh, i know you have to be there for a long period of time to gain any seniority seniority is very important in congress no matter what party you're in, but David will work it hard, and uh, uh, I can't. Uh, he is. There's no limit to how high I believe David could go. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little Memphis politics. Um,
1: I know that uh, uh, this is you. You just won re-election in. Uh, gosh, it it seems like four years ago that you won <laughs> re-election because we've had uh, a lot happen since then. But it was in October of uh, 2019. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, so you're in your first full year of your second term. Not, I, I guarantee you it's not what you expected,
0: right? Oh, no way. Um, never would have imagined uh, this. And you're right. The last two months feel like two years. And, and, um, and you know, a lot, fortunately, you and I have not been affected by anyone in our family or friends who, who've had the disease or who've passed away so i can't imagine what those folks have gone through or or the people out of work or whose businesses have closed because of it uh, but uh, even for the rest of us who have only been sort of inconvenienced by it it's it's just been a long time and um uh we've we just do the best we can with the information we have and that's true you know um you're, I still consider you part of our team not as directly as you used to be but um, you know for our first four years you had a semi-permanent position up here and I think you you can attest to the fact that uh, we have really good people working up here you were one of them uh, where I relied on your opinion and you hired I think you hire good people and um, follow their advice and let them uh, do what they do and and your organization can, can prosper. And that's what we've done in this. We, we did add on a contract basis, uh, a doctor, Dr. Manoj Jane, to advise us. He's an infectious disease specialist. And uh, we really needed that because none of us are, are medical doctors. Although we're lucky to have a councilman, Jeff Warren, uh, who is a doctor with decades of experience. So, but Dr. Jane has been invaluable to, to help educate us on this.
1: Tell me, um, uh, I, I can't attest, you've got a great team, and I think that has been the, the hallmark of the Strickland administration, is you've, you've hired people that uh, were experts in their field, not necessarily for their, because you're trying to check off a political box, um, but you've also been able to do that and maintain a lot of diversity uh, in your senior leadership team. Tell me, how you, how did you accomplish that?
0: Well, when I first got elected in 2015, um, and, and you know that because you were on the inside of this, we probably had a steering committee of, on our campaign of less than 10 people, and you were one of them. And as we transitioned in, uh, luckily, uh, our friend Mitch Graves and uh, Emily Greer uh, agreed to co-chair our transition team with respect to personnel. We also had Rosie Bingham uh, help on our transition uh, with respect to issues and that sort of thing. But on personnel, um, they really um, uh, went out and found some great people like uh, our chief of human resources, uh, Alex Smith. She is a fantastic person, but I would never have gotten in touch with her if it weren't for Emily. And, uh, it was at like, Microsoft.
1: Yes. Is that right? And... In, in, in Emily brought her in and and uh, what's uh, crazy about Alex is that she's become such a part
0: of the Memphis community. Yes and and, but that's the way she is I mean she's just an outstanding person very fortunate to have her Um, you know like you said ideally we wanted diversity and um, and wanted a millennial to be one of our and Alex is a millennial, but we didn't hire because of that. We hired her because she was dynamite and so qualified for the job. You know, we've had more. We have more women leaders in city government than ever before. And as you know, we structure a senior leadership team to really uh, meet with me every week to kind of go over what the issues are and make sure we're on the same page. Brian Collins, uh, who was our chief financial officer um, for a couple of years. He had worked for Mayor Wharton's administration, stayed a couple of years with us, and then moved back home to Chicago. Told me by creating that SLT that meets every week so that we're all on the same page was one of the things he thought helped uh, really in, improve the operations of city government so that we're all on the same page. And uh, and you, you saw that diversity for four years, uh, all coming together, which is high quality people. Um, and, and working together, we've continued that. Uh, you know, just so fortunate. I, I want to start naming names, but from from Doug McGowan, to Shirley Ford, to Ursula Mann, to, to uh, Mike Rollins, and Gina Sweat, uh, uh, my former Chief of Staff, uh, Lisa Jeter, now Maria Furman, uh, who, who just helped run the day-to-day effort here. I know I'm forgetting somebody. Um, and Ken Moody, uh, who was in our core leadership of the campaign and has transitioned here and and has helped so much because he worked for the Harrington administration, or at least for part of it, and just has a huge base of uh, support and knowledge in the community. Our lawyers from Bruce McMullen and the first term to to, uh, uh, Jennifer Sink, and um, I know there's somebody I'm forgetting, but uh, I'm thinking around that table. (laughs) <laughs> that was too. I was going around with that <laughs> but it's just it's they're just good people and they're very qualified and um, you know you just try to hold ourselves accountable, which is why we measure things um, and uh, we've had some successes and we've had some uh, uh, failures and some things that we're still still struggling with. yeah the um, I think
1: the the great, part about the way you make decisions is the collaborative nature. I, you know, I remember sitting in those, those Friday meetings and you look around the table and they're, they're black men, black women, white men, white women. Um, it really is a cross section of Memphis. And you, you really did, and I can say this because I don't work for you anymore. So <laughs> you fire me. Um, but, but you would listen to what everybody had to say. And I think everybody at that table felt like that they had a, they had input into the decision but then ultimately you would make the call based on what you thought was best as the mayor, since, you know, the buck did stop with you. Um, but I thought that was a great way to make those decisions. I, I, I don't, and I guess I'm asking a leading question. I'm a lawyer, but, um, it, 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 occurred to me the other day that you probably never made a major decision without consulting that group.
0: Yeah, I can't think of one, uh, and I never would want to. Um, and, uh, also, there's no shrinking violence violence on any of these groups, so if they disagree with me, they're um, very willing to um say that which is which is good and um uh, you know again, surround yourself with really good people uh, base your decisions on facts and 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 good judgment, and then you move forward and and don't be afraid to to make a mistake, none of us are perfect, and, and every organization makes mistakes, and uh, we've made our, our share, but we've also had some real successes, and and Memphis uh, uh, pre pandemic was really on a roll. Yeah, you uh,
1: one of one of the fav- my favorite segments you made up or you originated was that Memphis had momentum, and. I feel like Memphis what what's happened i mean the the momentum is different now. How would you describe where Memphis is now with uh the quarantine and coming out of the quarantine uh does it still have momentum can it get it back if it doesn't have it what How do you see it
0: Well, I don't see anywhere in the country really having economic momentum with just the, with the unemployment rate at you know depression era highs and 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 so many people really struggling um, I do think though, that we can come out of this when we get a vaccine. Uh, It will take us some time, but I do think uh, we can recover more quickly than we did in the great recession of 08, because you look at, there's nothing wrong inherently with the economy itself. It was this outside force coming in and and really slowing us down. So uh, I'm optimistic that we can really build up fairly quickly after the uh, pandemic. I do think Memphians as a whole have handled this pandemic really well, um, which is why we've been able, with the doctors uh, uh, signing off on it, to move into phase two of back to business.
1: Uh, well, let me ask you about that. I know uh, you've said that uh, closing, the, closing the economy down was easier than opening it back up because all you had to do was, was close it. Um, <laughs> but talk a little bit about the collaborative nature at least that we've had in shelby county of bringing the economy back and dealing with the the county government the county health but also the suburban uh, governments and and how that's worked
0: sure like uh, when we entered our order of uh, safer at home on march 23 we were the first local government to do it and you know the doctors were really on board with doing the hospitals were too. Opening up's a different thing because there the states now involved, the county, the our sister cities in Shelby County, and uh we're all trying to be on the same page. Um uh you're representing me on a on a statewide task force with uh, uh I forgot they don't use back to business on their front on the state it's they call it something else but you represented me on that with Commissioner Tennessee, Tennessee pledge yeah. Um, the, the group is the economic re- uh, the Governor's Economic Recovery Group. Yeah. But you're meeting every week there. Uh, Mayor Harris, uh, County Mayor Harris, is having the uh, city mayors all meet at least once a week. We have a task force that ha- met every day, of the, uh, met for seven days for a while, then we went to five days a week. And now I think uh, starting next week, we're gonna go to two or three days a week, just because we're hitting, us we're on a stride. And, we're, and that task force, involves uh, government uh, from inside Shelby County, but also outside. The mayor of West Memphis takes part, uh, Somerville, Brownsville, Tipton and Fayette County are invited and sometimes participate. The business sector and the the doctors and hospitals all working together. Um, And what we do is on this task force, we look at, uh, they created a back to business plan, which is three phases. Um, and uh, outline what should open up based on basically the more crowded some uh, an entity is the more likely it would be in phase two or three because as we've learned the more crowded it is the less uh, social distancing there is and the more the disease can spread and the, if but if you can uh, start with some protocols like we have for restaurants where, you know, tables have to be six feet away, the wait staff wearing uh, masks and disposable uh, uh, menus. All those things kind of help uh, open it up because, um, you know, you, you really can't shut everything down until you find a virus, uh, until you have a vaccine. Because uh, a vaccine could still be a year away. Uh, I know Dr. Fauci has optimistically said we might have one in December, January, and I hope he's right. Um, But he's even said that might not be correct. So, And then as we've opened up, we have also wanna be on the same page as much as we can with the state. So your report's back to the task force here, trying to tie it all in together. And for the most part, I do know there are some differences, but for the most part, we're on the same page. We certainly are within Shelby County, and for the most part, with the state. Uh, but we're watching the numbers, um, and uh, but because Memphians acted so well and in social distance, our numbers have not been as bad as say Nashville. Nashville's in phase one, so and and their numbers have been consistently worse than ours. Except we have had unfortunately more deaths. They've had more cases and more hospitalizations, uh, but we've had more deaths. Yeah,
1: it's uh, I've I've just been very impressed with uh, how everybody uh, has come together and shed some of the partisan uh, divisions that other places in the country have seen. Uh, you know, Republican suburban mayors working with you and Mayor Harris, who were both Democrats. But I think it largely in Shelby County, we've set that aside for the common good.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what do we have? Seven or eight cities. In Memphis, some uh, some uh, population of 12,000 people, like Arlington, Lakeland, uh, Millington, and you know, but Germantown, Cairoville, and and Barlett are some probably in the top 20 population-wise in the state. And uh, but we all have common interests because we know people they may reside in Lakeland, but they'll work in Memphis, or or people from Memphis will go to restaurants in Germantown and so forth. So we're all, we truly are all in it together. And uh, those are, are smart mayors that I've really gotten to know over this process and, and they want the best for their public too. What do you think as we come out of this, um, what do you think the
1: political landscape looks like in in Memphis, Shelby County in 2021? What are the What are the issues Going to be
0: getting our economy back going. I mean, let's just let's just assume that we there's a vaccine that's widely distributed in the first quarter of next year, which may be optimistic, but let's just say that happens. Then it's how do we kickstart this can, uh, this the economy? And every city and every county in the country is going to uh, want to be ahead of everyone else. So. We've already started working here on on what steps can we take at that time to really jumpstart this economy and get that momentum back into Memphis. I will say, you know, the you know, a project that you've worked on for now, I guess, a couple of years, the Lowe's Hotel is still on target to be built. They've um, they're going to start construction here very soon. So the pandemic has not slowed them down. Our, our uh, convention center is still being uh, redone and should be ready this fall. So there are still projects that move, are moving forward. Uh, I'm not saying all of them are still, because obviously with this going on, it will affect some things, but um, uh, I'm happy to see a lot of these projects still going on. And the Lowe's Hotel is a great example. I, I always joke with people, I'm not wealthy enough to have stayed at a Lowe's Hotel, but I've, I've learned that it's one of the top brands in the country. Uh, for a lot of reasons. And to get them, we're only, what are we, the 25th or 6th they have in the country? Right. right. Um, uh, and they're based out in New York. For them to recognize the vitality of this economy down here and want to be here uh, is a real s- statement about Memphis and for the benefit of Memphis. Yeah, it really puts Memphis in the league, in a major
1: league of uh, tourist uh, tourist cities or convention destination cities to have a to have a Lowe's hotel,
0: right? They're as you know, they're family-owned. Uh, they they build them themselves, they manage them themselves, and it, they don't change it. Uh, like a lot of hotels will change their what they call the flag or, or what brand it is every eight to ten years. Lowe's are Lowe's for forever, and it's a really high quality hotel.
1: You know, you said a, a minute ago that one of the one of the hallmarks for the coronavirus being spread is, is density, essentially, large groups of people. And, uh, the trend, if you will, in, in urban planning has been to create more density and you famously have talked about wanting to build up, not out. And, uh, we, we worked uh, a long time on a deannexation plan to kind of shrink the footprint of Memphis. Um, how do you think that's going to play with, uh, what we're seeing now in terms of trying to space ourselves out. How how do you see those two things coming together? Have you talked to anybody about that?
0: No, but it's a great question. In fact, uh, last week at one of our uh, daily press conferences, somebody in the media asked me that question. I forgot who it was, but I thought it was a great question. We also have Memphis 3.0, our first comprehensive plan in 40 years. That kind of led to that saying about building up and not out. One thing, a lot of this is out of our hands because it's really market driven. And I, this is just my gut feeling, I still think that when we get past this pandemic and we have a vaccine, that people, particularly young people, will still wanna live in the urban core, still wanna live in an area that uh, uh, is denser, you know, that they can walk to the grocery or walk and get something to eat or ride their bike or whatever, however, mode of transportation they do want a smaller more compact area to live in therefore i think the the because that's what the market will demand i think that's what the market will supply that's my gut and i i still think memphis and other cities will continue to move that way what do you think,
1: think well i think i think architecture will play a big role in it i i think people will start to design buildings with um with viruses in mind, frankly, you know, more UV lights and uh, other things to help m- mitigate uh, some of these, you know, some of the spread uh, due to to uh, overcrowding or not overcrowding, but more dense, dense uh, living. But, you know, as you point out, I mean, we still don't have a vaccine for the common cold, which is a virus. Right. And we, it may be a situation where we have to learn to live with um, with viral uh, threats and so i think i think architecture is going to play a large part of it because you can't have a 343 square mile city supply all those services and still have a lower tax ta- tax base so it, it it they're gonna have to be some compromises somewhere mm-hmm. uh well now one thing i gotta say because it's kind of uh, the elephant in your room uh is are you in the mayor's office right now
0: i'm in the mayor's office right now
1: wow that uh not, not people don't always get to see uh, the, the mayor's <laughs> office. It's, uh, it's very nice. It has one of the best views in uh, the country for a mayor's office.
0: There's no doubt. Um, traditionally, uh, in city, the city hall's uh, was built, I think, in '67 or so. Traditionally, the mayor's office, as you know, was on the second floor. Um, and about, I don't know, 17, 18, 19 years ago. Uh, Mayor Harrington moved it from the second floor to the seventh floor, which really was not a well used space. It uh, had, had some um, food, uh, maybe a cafeteria of some sort and some storage, but now it's the um, it's the mayor's office basically and, and people who work with me. It's a super nice office. Um, I, I joke with people, I probably would never have built it this nice because it, it probably costs some money, but I'm uh, I'm appreciative that Mayor Harrington did and trying to you, and it is a beautiful uh, view of the river. Of course, much of city hall, uh, the whole West side of the building has good views of the river. And uh, I think you've been in rooms with me when, when developers come in and I say for the right price, we could move city hall because uh, we don't have to have a uh, river views so far. No one's made an offer uh, for city hall to move us. Well, that's,
1: that's right. But I uh, was it. uh, I think it was Mayor Slay, who uh, from St. Louis, who who said that he's been in a hundred mayors' offices, and this this has got to be the nicest view he's ever seen in a mayor's office. <laughs> um, of course, if you've been you you've been in his office um, in St. Louis, and it's very nice, but it just looks out onto a, a street. Um, it was built way off the river, so he he doesn't have a view. He didn't have a view of the Mississippi River either. All
0: right and and really government doesn't need to have this kind of view. It, it, uh, uh, one day maybe post me that, uh, city hall will move. I don't know, but it just, it's a very nice location, uh, to be in. It's a good home court
1: advantage when you bring in when folks come in and negotiate with you. <laughs> there's something to be said, there's something to be said for that, uh, as well. Uh, it, um, you know, it offsets, uh, it offsets the fact that, uh, just about everybody in the building has to take a pay cut to work for, for uh <laughs> to, a, to humanize you um but you know and that was the one thing that that i really found when i was down there is just how many um how many great public servants there are i get i get really frustrated when people uh knock government officials as being selfish and greedy and you know and of course like anything there's there are bad apples in every barrel Uh, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a bad apple in city hall these days. And uh, there's just so many people there, um, in government all over the place who really are doing it for the right reasons because they want to serve their city, their county, their state, whatever level.
0: you think of this pandemic, firefighters, EMTs, police officers on a daily basis are interacting with hundreds of people, some of whom have the virus and some don't, um, are solid waste employees are are handling uh our waste which as we know the virus can stay on surfaces for some periods of time um all stepping up and then we have other employees who kind of uh during this pandemic have changed their what they're doing the library's closed they've opened up now but they were closed so 40 of our librarians became contact tracers and worked at the health department to to contact people saying, you know, you were in contact with somebody who tested positive and, you know, to because contact tracing is a, a very important part of that. We had parks employees um, when the Shelby County Schools could no longer operate their food distir- distribution or parks department pick the ball up and, and carry it in with other partners and and help feed thousands uh, of folks here. So. We've really adapted well here at city government to try to fit the needs of the of the public.
1: Well, Mayor, I appreciate your time. Um, it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for your service to our city. And um, we're looking forward to uh, Memphis being bigger and better than
0: ever uh, in, uh, hopefully in a very short period of time. Well, me too, and, and until then I want, or always, people be safe. All right, very good. Well,
1: thank you very much, and uh, thank everybody for watching, and we'll see you on the next uh, Ask Alan Podcast. Thanks.